Amen. Amen. Well, go ahead and grab a seat. Uh, my name's Mike, one of the pastors on the team, and uh, it is an honor to be with you today, worshiping Jesus with you. And um, I would love to invite you to grab your notes out of your handout. You'll see we're starting a new series today called Worshippers. And the idea is that we want to continue the journey that God has us on. We want to do what we just sang about doing. And that is that we would be uh, truly, that, that we would be the church that prioritizes worship. Um, I, I want you to understand right off the bat that this series, the, the premise is quite simple, and yet the challenge is quite profound. That we would be a church that worships first. Now, we've talked before about how the sign of the pillars that we're trying to, to build Overlake on are worship first and outlandish love. And uh, they, don't, uh, they don't replace the purposes that we're going after. We want to love God, love people, and serve the world. Those are our purposes. But how we do that is we want to be a people that worships first and loves outlandishly. So in order to do that, that means that, that we build this into our DNA. And we revisit this uh, sentiment again and again and again. We open up the scripture and we see how often this is modeled for us. But what we want to do is we want to go to God first with our worship, first, in terms of first day of the week, in terms of first uh, moments of the day, in terms of first in, in, in when we encounter blessing, first when we encounter trial, first when we encounter temptation, we're constantly going to God first in worship. And the question that I was kind of mulling around, and maybe this is for those of you who are just checking this whole church thing out, this whole God thing is still something that you're exploring, the question might arise, well, why would we want to worship God? And I, I just want to confess to you that I do not have the intelligence or the verbal skills to communicate a, a clear and precise answer to that question. So I, I will always only be able to approximate the answer or sort of point toward a greater answer. But if I if I could take a crack at it, it, we worship the Lord first because he is the one who has made all things in love, because he's the one who holds all things in love, because he's the one who redeems and who rescues and who woos us and blesses us and beautifies us, because he is worthy of all glory and honor and praise, because our hearts naturally give glory to all kinds of idols in this world, and he alone is the one who is deserving of our deep devotion and adoration because God is more awesome than our finite minds could ever hope to comprehend. These are only the approximation of the beginnings of the answer to the question, why would we want to be a people that worships first, right? But it, but it starts us on the journey. And so over the course of the next few weeks, we're going to take a look at some people in the Bible who were worshipers and who modeled some element of worship. And we're going to start, you can see on the top of your outline, we're going to take a look at Israel's warrior poet, David. We're going to take a look at some of the verses that David wrote. We're going to take a look at an episode in David's life. And along the way, we're going to identify some helps for our own worship, how we might maximize our own hearts along this spiritual journey. So if you're filling in the blanks, here are a couple of worship helps. These will help us in our worship. I was going to say requirements, like, like these are requirements for worship, but, but, the, but the reality is we are called by God, and, and it's revealed in Scripture, that, that we're to worship God whether we feel like worshiping or not. So, so 
to think that we've got to have this list of requirements is kind of ridiculous. You really, there's only one requirement to be a person who worships, and that is, do you have a pulse? Uh, if you have a pulse, then, then we're called to worship because God's the one who's given us life and he's given us all kinds of things, given us blessing, given us love and grace and forgiveness, uh, you know, on and on. So if you, show of hands, how many of you have a pulse this morning? Anyone? Okay, all right. So, so here we are. We're called to worship God. So no requirements, but I, I'm calling these helps because if we can build these into the posture of our life, it will greatly maximize this area of our life, as we build the DNA of a person, I'm a man or a woman who worships first. And it's all about giving God glory. Now, we use that phrase a lot. We want to give God glory. But let me be completely honest with you. You don't have glory that God doesn't have that you could somehow give to him. Just keep that in mind. It's not like you have withheld glory and God needs it. He's at a deficit, so you're going to be generous and give him some glory. No, all glory in the entire universe is the Lord's. What we do is ascribe the glory to him. We just recognize whose glory it is, and we affirm that he is the God of all goodness, all grace, and all glory. So the scripture in Psalm 29, again, this is a verse of David, ascribe, you could circle that word, ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. How much glory is that? All glory. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. So, so we're to continue to, to, to just get our minds, get our hearts in a place where we are blessing and honoring and recognizing he's the God of all glory and we want to honor him. We want to affirm that. We want to bless it. And so each one of these helps will kind of bleed into the next one. But if you're filling in the blanks, the first one is the word receptivity. Being receptive means opening your heart and mind to all that God is and all that he has for you. So I just want you to do like a, 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 an assessment of yourself right now. How receptive would you consider yourself to be? How receptive to God's presence how receptive to God's plan for you? How receptive to his blessings on your life? See, if we're not receptive, we're gonna miss all kinds of things that God has for us. And so the idea is we begin by opening ourselves up because God is a, a God who longs, a Father who longs to be present with us and who longs to communicate his plans for us and who longs to bless our lives. Our Father is a Father who blesses his children. And so in the episode of King David, we begin with the Ark of the Covenant, and we're taking a look at, at this, this uh, piece of furniture, this Ark that was built, in which the uh, manifest presence and glory of God resided in a very special way. And so we'll see uh, this in 2 Samuel 6.11. We'll start. Most of these verses are going to be from 2 Samuel chapter 6. It says, The Ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite for three months, and the Lord blessed him and his entire household. So here's what I want you to see from this passage. The Lord's presence brings the Lord's blessing. So, so the presence of God makes us aware and, and receptive to the blessings of God. So just let me ask you, and I mean, you're welcome to answer this question. Do you want God's blessings in your life? Then we need to be receptive to God's presence right here and right now. 
Because when we're aware of God's presence, when we're receptive to his presence, then we can receive the blessing that comes from his presence. And God wants to bless our lives. He wants to bless our relationships, our spiritual journey, our life choices. God wants to bless and pour his blessing out on these things, but only if we're receptive to his presence in these areas of our lives, okay? So when we seek God's presence, we become receptive to his blessing. This brings us to our next uh, help, our worship help. It's the word attentiveness. And this is what we just sang about. Help us be aware. Help us to be attentive, Lord, of your presence with us now. This attentiveness means we constantly direct our gaze toward the Lord. We constantly search for the Lord's presence in the moments of our life. In fact, in the, in the side somewhere, you might want to write down the word seeking. This is when we seek God's presence. We're, we're actively attentive to looking for God's presence in the moments of our life. And I just want to say to you that when we seek God's presence, then his blessings are made known to us. This is, it's not a game of hide and seek. That, that when we're open, I'll, I'll just give you a reality, and maybe you can attest to this. When I start my day by going to the Lord in worship, we call these devotions sometimes, where you just go to God and you spend some time in prayer, you just adore him. I actually journal all, a lot of my, my worship and praise out to the Lord, so I got this prayer journal that I'm writing in. But when I start my day like that, my day has more blessings in it. Now, it, it, it's a weird thing to say it that way. It's not necessarily that I think God, God blesses me when I meet him and he doesn't bless me when I don't meet him. I just think I'm not aware of his presence, so I'm unaware of his blessings. Right? God is not some insecure teenager hanging out in heaven hoping you're going to call. All right? He's not some vindictive best friend who's been slighted if you blow him off one day and he's up there going, you know what, Mike, you, you didn't connect with me today and so today you're gonna have a zit on your forehead, you know? Like, like that's not God's heart at all. Some of us still think God's like that. He's not. No, no, when I connect with the Lord in worship, when I'm receptive and I'm attentive to God's presence in my life, then I'm blessed. I'm blessed. That blessing is there if I'm not worshiping him, but I am unaware of it. Right? It's his presence that brings his blessings. We've said this before and we'll say it again. Over like the prize, the, the big prize is God himself. Right? The prize is not a fat bank account. The prize is not, a, you know, a, the, the car that, you know, the, 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 the lake house. Like, the prize is not even heaven. Now, those things are all fantastic blessings. Let me tell you what the prize is. God with you. Emmanuel, God with us. That's the prize. And so we go to the Lord and worship and we experience his presence, then we're aware of his blessings all day long. I, I shudder to think how many blessings God, our lavish Father, pours out on us again and again and again, and we're blind. It's like we got scales on our eyes. But when we begin with worship, then we're aware of how his goodness flows into our life in the form of blessings. So uh, David says this, I sought the Lord, and he answered me. That's what we're talking about, seeking him, being attentive. I sought the Lord, and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. 
So we seek the Lord. In fact, in, in Jeremiah 29, it says, seek the Lord with all your heart and he will be found by you. Th- this idea of seeking him, right? We go after him and we're attentive and we're aware. And this is through worship. I want to encourage you to worship in a private sense, but you know, solo in your prayer closet. I also want to encourage you in this corporate setting, right? There is a great power in a corporate gathering where there's a concert of praise, making much of the Lord. And, and we're invited to enter into his presence, to have our arms wide open, to experience his embrace over us in love. I was thinking, you know who does this really well? Some of you already know this. Some of you actually do this really well, and, and you're the ones who are like fired up right now, and others of you should look around at those people. Why are you glowing and bouncing in your seat? Uh, oh, you're a worshiper, you know. But you know who does this really well in our church? It's our students and our student ministry. They do this really, really well. They do it well when they get away at retreats, at camps. Our high school students just got back from houseboats. They're just bouncing and pray. They, they, praise for them. Worship for them is, is like this bear hug with the Lord. I was talking to a, a mom on a, the soccer field this weekend, and her daughter comes to group life on Wednesday night. She says, every time my daughter comes home from group life, she's on cloud nine because she experiences the blessing that comes from being attentive to the presence of God in her life. How does that happen? Through worship. Okay. Uh, next fill in here is the word Priority. Receptivity, attentiveness, priority. We must make worship a priority in our lives. Now, uh, this is the passage, uh, again, following 2 Samuel 6, 12. King David was told, the Lord has blessed the household of Obed-Edom and everything he has because of the ark of God. So David went down and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with rejoicing. You could circle that phrase because worship It needs to involve rejoicing of our hearts. It needs to involve celebration of the Lord of the universe, the Lord of love, and all of his uh, desire to be in relationship with us. So there's an incredible amount of joy that comes with our worship. And then it says, when those who were carrying the ark of the Lord had taken six steps, he sacrificed a bull and a fattened calf. You could circle the words six steps too. So I want you to imagine this scene, if you will, David, King David, he brings basically the nation of Israel down to this guy's house, Obed-Edom. And, and they're going to, you know, they've got the, this desire to move the Ark of the Covenant from the house of Obed-Edom up into the city of David. Now, ironically, we don't know how Obed-Edom feels about this because he has all these blessings now that come from, you know, the Lord being manifestly present with him. But we assume that since he recognized David's kingship, he didn't say much about it. So the idea is there's this huge parade of people. Picture the Rose Parade. Right, this multitude of people, all these priests, all these uh, you know, scholars, all, all of the dignitaries in the land, all of these uh, worshipers that are gathered here, this incredible procession, and they hoist up the Ark of the Covenant, and there's great rejoicing and celebration, and the trumpet, you know, the ram's horn, everything's going, and they walk six steps, and then they stop. And they build an altar, and they worship the Lord. I want to tell you, that is one cruddy parade, all right? 
That is the worst way possible to do a processional. That is the most inefficient way you could possibly travel to a place is by stopping after the first six steps. But I want to tell you what an incredible picture it is of prioritizing worship. Right? The first six steps you take, you stop in order to worship God Almighty. I mean, David is, is nailing this as a, a form of priority. And I just want to ask you, what if that was your model? What if, what if that was your paradigm? Every six minutes, I'm going to praise God. Every six steps I take, I'm going to stop and worship. Every six miles I drive, I'm going to stop, get out of the car, do, you know, do a little, you know, I don't know, you know. But the idea is, what if, what if we were so locked into this paradigm of worship that every incremental six, you know, we were there. I heard a pastor speak. In fact, I, I try to hear a, a variety of pastors speak on a variety of topics. I'm a pastor. I'm encouraged. I always listen for a joke to steal. And so I'm, 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 I'm listening to a guy speak about worship, and, he, and he's really running it down, and kind of on a rant. And, and he's going, uh, he, he's saying, look, worship in our American church context, it, it is almost worthless, he's saying. He's saying it's, it's, it's like um, a hocus-pocus show of holy fervor. And he, he describes it as a roller coaster that you, you know, you get on at the platform and you do this incredible you, you know, ride and it's, you're, you got the warm fuzzies and the, he's feeling somewhat nauseous and you know, you're a little dizzy and then you stop and you get off at exactly the same place you got on. And so I was listening to him speak, and it was just weighing on me. And I was, I was going to the Lord, Lord, is this true? I mean, is, is he speaking the truth in this? Is, and maybe, you know, for some people, that's exactly how they view it. Or maybe for some in their walk, it, it really isn't uh, progressive. But I was just asking Jesus, Jesus, is that really all worship is? And, and I really felt like God said, no. No, Mike, every time, you view yourself as small and you view God as big, that's a step forward in your journey. Every single time you ascribe the glory that is due God to him and you take it away from yourself where you've placed it or you take it away from the idols in your life where you've placed it and you gather that and, and you ascribe it back to the Lord for whom all glory and honor is due. You recognize that you're progressing in your spiritual journey. But then there's another angle of truth in this as well. And that is, uh, for some people, you know, they do corporate worship maybe a couple of times a year. Two, three times a year, they come together at a church and they worship God. Maybe they don't ever do it in their private life. Okay, that, that's one sort of like a little roller coaster ride, right? A couple times a year. Uh, for some of us, we come to church regularly. It's a part of our rhythm of life and family, and, and, and we do this faith thing. So many of you are coming weekly or almost weekly. Two, three times a month you're coming, and you experience corporate worship. And so it's more revolutions around that worship. And then some of you, you recognize, you know, once a week's not enough, so I've got to do it in my home. And, and so you're, you're taking your faith to that place where once or twice a week you're, you're spending time in worship and honoring Christ. And some of you are like, no, no, for me it's daily. Every single day I try to get before the Lord and I try to worship him and make much of him. And some of you are like, you know what? Once a day is awesome, but it's not enough. I've got to continue to go to the Lord in worship. And do you see how the more you go after this 
the more it's your lifestyle, the more it's your DNA. So that also is a part of the progression as well. We want to build this in to the posture of our lives so that literally our breathing is as a form of worship to the Lord, where we're constantly offering him glory, constantly offering him honor and praise, right? I would just encourage you to think about what does it look like if every six minutes of my life I worship the Lord? And I know some of you are thinking, because I was thinking the same thing when I was writing this message. <laughs> that is ridiculous. How would I ever get anything done at work? How would I ever get anything done at home? Like every six minutes I stop what I'm doing just so I could take some time and worship the Lord. That, that, nothing would ever get done. And then I looked this up. Do you know what you do every six minutes of your life? You check your phone. Yeah, show of hands. How many of you are smartphone users? Okay. Oh, I see that in the back. Yeah, God bless you. I see that iPhone. All right. Yeah, I, I got to tell you, it, it cracked, I, I was just curious. How often do we check our phones? Research shows the average person checks their smartphone every six minutes. You already do this. You already interrupt whatever you're doing every six minutes in order to do something else. It's almost like God gave you that gift now. Now you already know. Every time you feel like, oh, hey, was that a, I think I got an email. Leave it, worship, right? He's already built, he's already trained. We are Pavlov's dogs already trained to do something every six minutes. Let's use that moment to worship the Lord, okay? We can do this, friends. I just want to say, this is one of those things where we got to prioritize, like David did. We prioritize worshiping first. And when we do this, we'll see that God is so much bigger. He's so much nearer. He's so much more involved. He's so much more loving in our lives that, that he, he is worthy of our worship. This brings us to the next point, the word singular focus. Singular focus. And again, it's the same episode, but we're continuing on. It says in 2 Samuel six fourteen. now David wearing a linen ephod, danced before the Lord with all his might, while he and the entire house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouts and the sound of trumpets. So you take a look at this. We see that, that uh, David danced with all his might, right? You might want to underline the phrase, with all his might. And, and he was not alone in this, but they were, they were shouting and they were leaping and they were dancing before the Lord, he was wearing a linen ephod, which if you understand what that is, a linen ephod is basically a priestly undergarment. So what David was doing was the river dance in holy boxer shorts. I kind of picture Brad Pitt as Tevye from Fiddler on the Roof, right? And, and he was just going after it with all his might, giving it all in a fierce, masculine dance of sweaty abandon before the Lord. And we keep going, and it says in verse 16, As the ark of the Lord was entering the city of David, Michal, daughter of Saul, this is David's wife, watched from a window. And when she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she despised him in her heart. This is where the singular focus comes in. People might misunderstand our worship a bit. So I would encourage you not to focus on them. I would encourage you to make sure that when it comes to worship, you keep your singular focus on the Lord. 
and on how good he is and how amazing his grace is and how rich his kindness is and how deep his compassion is, how fantastic his blessings are. See, Jesus tells us that the Father is looking for worshipers who worship in spirit and in truth. That means the Father is looking for worshipers who will worship before him and him alone in singular focus without a concern about what my neighbor might be thinking as they watch me in worship. Singular focus. Now, David was doing that, and his wife was viewing it, and she wasn't participating in it. Uh, She was judging and condemning of it. And so we keep reading. It says, They brought the ark of the Lord and set it in its place inside the tent that David had pitched for it. And David sacrificed burnt offerings and fellowship offerings before the Lord. After he had finished sacrificing the burnt offerings and fellowship offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord Almighty. Then he gave a loaf of bread, a cake of dates, and a cake of raisins to each person in the whole crowd of Israelites, both men and women, and all the people went to their homes. I I, I think this is included to help us recognize that generosity is always a part of worship. It's just a natural flow of how worship goes. Then David returned home to bless his household. Michal, daughter of Saul, came out to meet him and said, How the king of Israel has distinguished himself today, disrobing in the sight of the slave girls of his servants as any vulgar fellow would. She's disrespecting what he did before the Lord, and she's disrespectful of her husband to his face. And David said to Michal, It was before the Lord. You might want to underline that phrase. It was before the Lord. If it's not before the Lord, it's not worship. David said, it was before the Lord, who chose me rather than your father or anyone from his house when he appointed me ruler over the Lord's people, Israel. I will celebrate before the Lord. I will become even more undignified than this, and I will be humiliated in my own eyes. But by these slave girls you spoke of, I will be held in honor. Overlake. I want us to go after this unhindered, uninhibited praise. I want us to be a a church. I want us to be a people who worships the Lord with wild abandon. I want us us to, to be free enough to get sweaty in our praise before the Lord. You know, David stripped down to his underwear. Maybe let's not do that, all right? Might be a tad frightening. But I want us to recognize that if we truly embrace a lifestyle of worship, there might be some who misunderstand. But friends, our focus is not on them. Our focus is on the Lord. Right? To seek God's glory, sometimes you have to get a little crazy. Here's what David said, Psalm 69, 9. My love for your house burns in me like a fire. Over like, I think it's time to get a little fired up about God about what God is doing in your life, about what God is doing in the world, about what God is doing in our church. It's time for us to get a little rah-rah, okay? And, and not because rah-rah is so powerful or so good in itself. You know as well as I do that people can get rah-rah about just about anything. They can get rah-rah about their sports teams, rah-rah about their favorite bands. They can get rah-rah about a deal they got at REI, My point is this, we get rah-rah about everything else and not the one who is infinitely greater than all of those things. No, no, let's be free 
to get a little rah-rah. Let's have a singular focus of worship first so that we can get a little uninhibited, so that we can get a little unhindered in our praise. Now, over, like I've taught you this before, and I want you to understand that this is so true. Don't be dignified in your praise. Some of you are like, you know what? I, I mean, I, sometimes I'll, I'll do a golf clap. I mean, that, that, you know, that'll... No, no, don't be dignified. Don't be tame. Here's what I want you to understand. If it's tame, it's lame. Can you say that with me? In worship, if it's tame, it's lame, okay? We have to recognize this, that, that we want to make much of the God for whom all glory and all honor and all praise is due. So I just want to encourage you. In the presence of the living God, our knees should tremble and our hearts should pound within our chest and a total surrender should be our response and we should joyfully be free to dance before the Lord, passionately laying down our arms and being liberated, giving God the glory that's due his name. And of course, Jesus models this for us, right? Jesus modeled, in fact, the disciples remembered a verse that David spoke in Psalm 69 was true of Jesus as well. In John 2, 17, the disciples remembered this prophecy from the scriptures, passion for God's house will consume me. It was true of David. It's true of Jesus. I want it to be true of us as well. I was trying to think what this might look like for us to be so free and so loving of God and so in love with God and, and what kind, because oftentimes worship, it, it feels a little removed from us and we, we don't know exactly how to engage with the Lord in it. I, I just want to give you a picture. I don't know if it's a perfect picture, but for me it, it works as I think about my relationship with the Lord and how I worship him and how I just, I want to get free and, and I want to make much of him uh, in, in sort of a, you know, a powerful way. And so I, I just, many of you know this. I have two boys at home. I have three kiddos. Two of them are boys. And uh, they're both in elementary school. One's going into sixth grade. One's going into third grade. Every once in a while, I come home from school, or from, <laughs> I come home from work. Uh, that's what I do. I, I work. Some of you don't think so. I do. I, I, I go to work. And uh, then I come home from work. And they come home from school. That's what I meant. And then they'll often say to me, Dad, it's time to wrestle. Now, not wrestle with a W. It's not W-R-E-S-T-L-E. It's wrestle, R-E-S-S-E-L, wrestle. Right. And, and so I say, okay, let's clear out the playroom. So we clear out the playroom. All that's left in the playroom is beanbag. And then we go, one on two, mano vi mano, Right? And we just go nuts. And I want to tell you, it is so fun. So every, it's like assault after assault. And my job is to grab them and hoist them through the air across the playroom, hopefully onto the beanbag. <laughs> and their job is to assault me simultaneously because when they can hit me simultaneously, they can take me down. And the whole thing is this passionate, sweaty, just a rumble, and there's arms and legs and sweat and all kinds of laughter and occasional tear and blood, mostly mine, is spilled, and it's, it's all happening, and we finally collapse in this sweaty heap, limbs everywhere, and I don't know a greater picture of intimacy building than that. When I think about David dancing before the Lord, that's what I think about. I think, when was the last time I got that free before the Lord? 
When's the last time you got that free before the Lord? In singular focus, so that you weren't aware of the person next to you. You weren't aware of anybody else's thought. You're in the car driving, and you're just belting it out before the Lord. You go to your prayer closet in, in the morning, or here in the corporate setting, and you're just, it's just you and him. And you're wrestling in worship and praise. David says this, one thing, I'd have you circle that, one thing, I have desired of the Lord, that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Here's what I want you to see, Overlake, that, that we want to be a people who have that one thing clearly in our sights. And so if you want to write down something, write this down, one thing. A life lived in singular focus for that which is of utmost importance. Singular focus for that which is of utmost importance. What is of utmost importance? It's the Lord. Greater than all things, greater than all causes, greater than all people, greater than all countries, greater than all things. What the Lord is the greatest thing in the universe. He is the great prize. We have an invitation to enter into a relationship of love with him through worship. It's one thing. We want to be that, that people after one thing. And David knew his one thing because he had received an invitation from God and he had responded to it. Over like we're getting that same invitation from God as well. See, this is in Psalm 27, 8. David said to the Lord, when you said, come worship me, I answered, I will come, Lord. How are you answering? God, I, I believe God's inviting us too. Come worship me. Are we going to respond? Are we going to say, I will come? Now, I, I just want to confess to you that there are many moments, many days when I'm, I'm not like David, when I'm not doing the six steps thing in worship. I mean, there, there, are, there are days when I'm right on target. I mean, I, when I'm absolutely receptive, attentive, when I'm tuned in, when I'm, worship's a priority. I mean, I have hours of my life when I'm golden, you know? I'm like, you know what? God should put me on a brochure, right? Like, I'm there, you know? But it's not always. I mean, there, there are many hours when I'm not there, even whole days where I just miss this, where I'm more about my agenda or my task list or what I need to be doing to keep things, you know, moving forward, and I'm, I'm just not focused on worship. And I suspect that's true in your lives. You know, the Scripture, Jesus says this. There's really only one command. There's two commands, but the biggest commandment in all of Scripture is that we're to love God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. Worship is the number one command. And yet we fail. Friends, I, I just want to tell you, we fail. Like, like, Jesus does it so easy. Let me boil the whole thing down to one, and we, we can't do that. So what do we do? Well, we ask the Lord's forgiveness. And we say, Jesus, I, I can't even do that. And would you forgive me? And God, in his grace, he takes that failing, and he puts it on the cross of Calvary. And he nails that sin to the cross along with every other sin, the multitudinous sins in our life. Nails them all to the cross, covers it all with his grace. And then we say, and Lord, would you help me? Would you help me by your spirit in my life? Would you help me be the person who does love you with all my mind? And who loves you with all my heart? Who loves you with all my strength and all my soul? 
would you work within me and would you make this command a promise that I could be the person that you made me to be? Because I want to tell you this, the more we praise God, the more we feel like praising God. The more we draw close to God, the closer we will feel like drawing to the Lord. When we praise God, we see him more clearly, and the more clearly we see him, the more we understand how much more praise is due his name. And so we lean in, and, and we're wrapped up in his love. And I, and I would just say, the entire process of worship, we're to cover with this last help, which is the help of gratitude, right? We're to be grateful people. In fact, this uh, command, right, it's 1 Thessalonians 5.18, says, give thanks in all circumstances. <laughs> and we don't do that one either. Uh, you came to be encouraged today, and all you've heard is how often we fail. We do fail, sorry, you know, often, and more than you probably think. That's why we need grace, okay? We, need, we can't even do this. Give thanks in all circumstances. We don't. We should. We don't. So we need his grace. God, help us to be a thankful people. Give thanks in all circumstances. Why? Is there any reason for it? Oh, it's God's will for you in Christ Jesus. If you're in Christ, this is his will for you. We're to be grateful people. And so I would just encourage you in your thought process, the way you go through your life, the way you go through your day, the way you interact with your family, in your relationship with a significant other, the way that, that you interact in your workplace, that, that you would seek to be a grateful worshiper of the Lord. I shudder to think about how many blessings we don't even acknowledge, and yet God heaps them out on us again and again and again. All right, let's be grateful people. And you want to see David modeling this, you can look at 2 Samuel chapter 7, verses 18 through 29, where right after this episode, they bring the Ark of the Covenant into the tent there in Jerusalem, and then David prays this, prays this incredible prayer of gratitude, thanking God for all of the greatness that God has displayed, thanking God for his lordship, thanking God for his love of Israel, thanking God for his continued and lasting blessing. Thank you, thank you God for all of your victories poured out into my life. And just, it just praises, praises, praises with a grateful heart. That's our model. And so as a king, David modeled this idea of every six steps. As a king, David modeled this idea of receptivity and attentiveness. He modeled priority, he modeled singular focus, he modeled gratitude for us. In fact, look at this last psalm here, is a psalm of David from the message paraphrase. You did it. You changed wild lament into whirling dance. You ripped off my black mourning band and decked me with wildflowers. I'm about to burst with song, I can't keep quiet about you. God, my God, I cannot thank you enough. And there he goes again, dancing, 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 lost with his Lord again. So these are the helps for worship, and now here are the results. These are the results of worship. You seek to live this posture of worshiping first, and this is what you'll experience. You'll experience proximity with the Lord God Almighty, intimacy with him. You will be near. The Lord invites us to draw near to him. How do we draw near? Through worship. And of course, David knew God in a special way. He was overwhelmed by God's love, that God knew him intimately and chose to love him completely. And that's true for us as well. We're, we're invited to draw near to the Lord and to be intimate with him in proximity. That happens through worship. The second result of worship is power. When we worship, we see God's power released in our life. 
That's strength for today. That's power to have victory when we face a trial. That's power no matter what the circumstances we're facing in our life that we can overcome. That's power through uh, temptation, power for a clear mind for the task at hand. You know what David says to the Lord? With your help, God, I can leap over a wall. David modeled this idea of living with this extraordinary supernatural power released into his life because David was one who knew how to worship first. And the last result we see is passion. Passion. We see passion because you're living in proximity, because you're living a powerful life in the Lord. There's this incredible passion and zeal for life and for the Lord, for relationships. I would say that passion is the greatest invitational tool there is. Because the entire world is looking around for the man or the woman of passion. Who is living for something worthwhile? Who has a noble purpose in their life that they're ready to lay everything on the line for? The person of passion. They want to know. And so there's this incredible uh, invitation associated with a man or a woman of passion. In fact, I'll tell you a story. It's a, I'll tell it anonymously. One of you invited a coworker to come to Overlake, check it out. And after a long, you know many months, that your coworker finally did. And they came in, and uh, you told me that they, they came in and, and they stood near the back during the worship set at the beginning. And then at the end of the worship set, they excused themselves and left. And, and then the Overlaker tracked him down at work the next day and said, hey, I saw you at Overlake, but I, I noticed you slipped out after the after the praise and worship, how come? And the response they got was, well, I, I didn't like that tugging on my heart. And so the overlaker just responded, hey, you know, I believe that was God. And, and I, I believe that God is real and that God wants a relationship of love with you. And, and so what you're experiencing through that worship was God's presence saying, I love you and, and I want to be in relationship with you. And so that man has come back to Overlake. Now listen, I don't know that man's name. I don't know his face, but I do want to say, if, if you're that man and you're here today, I would love to shake your hand. It would be an honor to just know where you are on the journey, okay? Let me tell you this about passion. You can't fake it. Right now, maybe you're not feeling passionate about the Lord. You're not feeling passionate about your walk. Maybe there's circumstances in your life that you feel like are draining your passion. Let me, let me just cut to the chase. Don't fake passion. You can't do it. People see right through it. So instead of trying to muster passion, just worship Jesus. Worship Jesus. Worship the Lord God Almighty. Make much of him in worship. Make him your priority. Make him your singular focus. Be receptive. Be attentive. Be grateful. And as you pursue him in worship, he will refill your passion. Okay. I think I'm done. Let's pray. All right. Jesus, we want to do exactly that. We, we just want to recognize, first and foremost, how desperate we are for you. Lord, it's, it's, it's somewhat discouraging that we read the simplest of commands to, to worship God with all that we are, to, to be grateful in all circumstances. And we just, we fail. And so, Jesus, we, we do confess and we do repent and we do ask for your help that we might be people who view these commandments as promises that we will someday be a person who worships you with all we are. That we might be some, someday, as you grow us in the Lord, that we might become a person who's grateful in the midst of all circumstances. 
Lord Jesus, show us. Give us your discernment and give us your maturity. And more than anything else, would you fill us with your Holy Spirit so that we might be a people who worship as David worshiped every six steps. So we might be a people who model all of these helps, all of these attributes of, of, a, of a person, of a church that truly does worship first as the posture of our stance before you, Lord. We love you. We recognize that we don't give you any glory that you don't already deserve, that we just ascribe all of the glory and all of the honor and all the praise to you, both now and forever. We pray it all in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.